0: I have, I have learned, Laila, whatever you say, I'll do. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Malini, and, uh, and it's great to see you and Ian here together. I was thinking, you know, Ian understands me probably pretty well because coming from farming background, in farming life, there's loads of time, there's loads of time to talk, and there's loads of time to do things. But when you move into industry, time is a commodity. Time is chopped off. And, and so uh, Ian's uh, already champion championing me up here. Sorry, no farming allergies today. I, I don't have one. Uh, although maybe we'll scrape one out of the barrel at the end. But anyway, Amelia's going to come and read and uh, if you want to open your bible at hebrews 12 and it's verse uh, 1 and 2 come on ahead or your device or whatever you have today therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses and let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that lets us that sets before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Thank you, Amelia. Thank you. Um, so we're in Hebrews today and um, I just want us to look just for a few moments at these uh, verses in this letter that is written to uh, uh, Christian people who are living in Jerusalem. And in this, this letter is written to Jesus followers who uh, are living in a culture of many different beliefs who feel for one reason or another despondent or disconnected uh, or have become distracted and feel like they uh, are tempted to give up. The letter is to encourage them and to inform them and to remind them as followers of uh, we are invited into something, something wonderful, uh, but sometimes in order to follow the way. Sometimes it's difficult. Hands up who at times has found it difficult. As you follow the way, as you follow the call that God has upon your life. And he wants to write to encourage them that Jesus is supreme. We've already heard that this morning. We've already sang that this morning. And and again, I just really feel that God wants to remind us of that. For those of you who are close to me or you've listened, uh, you've watched on our WhatsApp group, you've saw put on a song, First Love. And uh, it's a song that's going over and over in my, in my play tunes or whatever, whatever platform you're on, Spotify or YouTube or whatever. And it's, it's uh, by Jonathan and, and Melissa Heisler. And, um, and it's, it's talking about us coming back, all the way back, all the way back to our first love. Hands up here who likes sports. Any sports fanatics? Come on. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, we've got football supporters. We've got uh, cyclists, uh, um, uh, a group of guys who've got all the gear and no idea. Um, we've got... People who love hockey in this room, we've got um, swimmers, Uh, we've got, what else have we got, rugby players, Uh, uh, walkers, Um, back there Amy did a a long walk a couple of years ago, how many miles was that Amy? 30 miles, Mm. Um, but uh, uh, um, I was thinking of this sport, I'm not sure whether it is a sport or not, P.S. Players or PlayStation players. Um, Although the definition of sport is is skill, but you have to put in some effort. And I'm not sure whether there's effort included included on a P.S. But one of the one of the things that I like to do, and I picked it up in my late 20s, is run. Um, And I don't know whether that came from a farming background of running around the fields after cows or cattle or sheep or whatever. But hands up here, who has ever done their sport to a point of exhaustion? Whoever has just felt they have nothing left in the tank? Amy talked about that a couple of weeks ago, didn't she? About the idea of resilience and and that idea that there is still a bit left in the tank. You're so tired, you're so drained, um, you ask yourself the question, Is it worth keeping going? Well, chapter 11 and chapter 12 of this letter is written in the context of running a race. Chapter 11 is all about the idea of a relay race and how we are um, a group of people and it's not till the last person crosses the line that the whole team won't uh, win the prize. But chapter twelve is based on this idea of a long distance run. Who has done a long distance run? Hands up here. Who's done a long distance run? I'm not. I'm not even going to look over this way, um, because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Well, at the age uh, a few years ago, it's only a couple of years ago. At the age of thirty-five. Uh, myself and this young gentleman over here, Robert, did the Belfast Marathon. And 26.2 miles, and the point two is very important, isn't it, Robert? Well, it was for me, anyway. <laughs> for those who like to work in what we call new money, it's 42 kilometres. And for those of you who are 5k runners at the moment, it's eight 5k runs back-to-back. Now, Robert is sitting there with this smile upon his face because he's gone beyond running marathons in his day. He run, what do you call, ultra marathons? isn't that correct, Robert? And does that consist of five marathons or how many marathons back to back or a series amount of miles anyway, back to back? 240 miles. 240 miles. Uh, uh, and so this is wee buns, as they would say, wee buns. Now, for those footballers, there's a really good lead supporter back there. There is other names of football clubs that I'll mention, but you, any, or might, I'll not mention, actually. But it, it's the equivalent of playing four football matches, back-to-back, without any breaks, without any substitutions, without any half- or full-times. That's what one marathon is, equates to. And as I come here to share today, I couldn't help but think, um, uh, you know, of running that race. I couldn't get it out of my mind uh, for the last couple of weeks. And there's lots I could say about that race. I could talk about being blown away of the vastness of people at the starting line. And You go down there outside the, the City, Hotel, uh, City Hall and the crowds are immense, and the butterflies, I can still sense them uh, in my tummy today, and the buzz and the excitement as you waited. I could talk about the starting gun going off and us all uh, heading off and and being swept along in the crowd. And before I realized it, I was halfway around the race. I could talk about the scenery and, and, and just the beauty of Belfast that you saw as you walked it or ran it on, on foot. And the wonderful crowds and the, and the si- on the sidelines as they cheered us on and, and wished us well. About meeting uh, new people as, as I interacted with people on that race. Because it was a couple of hours long and you do meet people. The excitement of Lois jumping out of the crowd as I passed her by, and she shouted my name and wished me on well. This little lady jumps out of the crowd and says, go on, go on. And my words is, where's Robert? But we never got to finish that conversation. Maybe the excitement of texting Joanne as I was at the 14 mile marker. Back in those days, we used text message. It wasn't Messenger or WhatsApp or anything else, but uh, text message. Send Joanne a text message at the 14-mile mark and saying, I've got the 14 miles, and I think I can go on, because my plan was to run half of the marathon. Running, maybe I could talk about running the last two or three miles with a guy I'd never met before and the way we could encourage each other or the joy of crossing the line and uh, getting the medal and I brought it with me here today to prove it it's prize possession but as I came to share today I couldn't help but think there's a part of that journey I need to share and it's the part where at most runners hit. It's the part within a race most runners hit. And it usually happens around the 19, 20 or 21 mile marker. And it's called hitting the wall. Sudden fatigue, a loss of energy and the ability to go on. It's It can be so drastic that even our brains, they they physically shut down as a, pres- as a preservation mode. And then we start to think irrationally. Or we start to think negatively even. And, uh, and what happens in those moments if a runner doesn't make necessary changes? Listen to me. In, at this moment in the race, they will not complete the race. I was trying to Google and find out how many people start the race, how many people start the marathon, or the Belfast City Marathon, and how many, what's the percentages? But I couldn't find it. But I think the writer of these two verses are, is writing um, to people who either have the potential of hitting the wall or are in the early stages Of that. Fatigue, tiredness and an inability to go on. Some irrational thinking and the desire to give up are very real and present feelings. And if you're anywhere touching around that camp then I think God wants to speak to you today. The writer wants to give some good advice how to work through these difficult seasons. A couple of weeks ago, we watched the Father's Day video. Then we hear from Home for Good. Home for Good's getting quite a promotion here today, isn't it? Um, and we celebrated men. And we don't want to just celebrate men uh, today, or I don't want to just think about men as we think about running the race. But on that day, we celebrated men. Men, some men of the Bible who endured difficult, uh, great difficulties. And hardships, and because they did, and they pressed in, they made a lasting difference to people around them. And then we were asked the question: What difference can you make? And I say that uh, I say that uh, in the context that of the Bible paints a very good picture. If we are to complete the purposes of God for our lives, there are times it's going. To be hard and in these two verses we are encouraged that when we feel alone when the road seems long and gray and when it seems like you're getting nowhere fast you feel like giving up and the questions are how am i going to keep going not alone how am i going to keep going but is this really worth it then the writer wants to say it is and here's a few pointers to help you make the necessary changes to complete the race and as we look at these two verses very quickly let's see what he says the first thing that the writer says here is you're not alone in those couple of miles where I felt I hit the wall I did feel very alone and you know, when you get tired and when you get fatigue sets in, it's very easy for us to think that we are on our own. And this writer says, you are surrounded by a great host or cloud of witnesses. He's talking about the idea, the, paint, the picture is painted of a great stadium. And all these activities of sports are going on. And there's this great audience and they're all wishing you well. I'm going to tell a story about Amelia and I've asked permission to do this. A couple of weeks ago, my dad and I decided to go and watch Amelia do some horse riding. And uh, the, the instructor decided, the, the girl who was taking the classes, decided that she needed to stretch Amelia a little bit. That Neil, Amelia's... Amelia's abilities just needed to be stretched a little bit. And so what she did was she purposely put her on a pony that was a little bit more difficult. My dad and I sat at the edge of the arena and we watched as Amelia went round the arena. And different times she was cantering or she was trotting or she was jumping. And every time she would come around in front of us. But the struggle was real. And we could see it in Amelia's eyes. But if Amelia, and so as we watched and she gazed at my eyes every time she came around, I could see the struggle was getting more and more. But what I wanted to do in that moment was paint a picture back to Amelia. We are wishing you well. We want to see you succeed and that's the context and the type of context or you're playing for your national team someday Caleb and we're all standing on the sideline and we're all watching and we're all going to be wishing you on and saying go on boy you can do it you have the ability and that's what this writer writes and says to these people of discouragement you can do it we believe in you but not alone that, um, there's people who's running alongside you. You are not alone. In that race, there was many who ran alongside us. And, uh, uh, and you need to look around sometimes and remember, you're not alone, you're not alone being cheered on from people by the sidelines, but you're being cheered on with people who are running alongside you. And then I couldn't help but think about when I was talking about this crowd of witnesses. I can't help but think about the generations that are to come after us. What about them? They are, I know it's hard to get your head around this, but but what we do now is going to affect generations to come. You're not alone, you're surrounded by people as you live out God's plan for your life and I believe the spirit of God would want to say that to some people here this morning and then he goes on to say in light of that in light of recognizing you're not alone lay aside every weight that um that weighs you down and the sin that easily clings The writer, I love the way the writer says, let us. He includes himself in this. Because I think we all have seasons where we need to shed a bit of weight. I don't mean this weight, I'm not talking about this weight. We gather stuff, we hold on to stuff. And, and uh, our, our motto here, um, and some of the things that we live by, is, is, is portrayed in this, these pictures over here. And we've talked about it enough times. We believe in the simple life. Stuff will weigh you down. Stuff will hold you back. I remember in that part of the race, meeting a friend or seeing a friend on the sidelines And afterwards, thinking to myself, why did I not give him my coat? I was wearing a coat around my waist. I could have shed a bit of stuff. And I could have met him at the end where he was going to see his daughter going across the finish line. Be careful what you carry. Be careful what you carry. You're not called to carry everything. And then he talks about sin. And sin is anything that will separate us from God. I love that definition. It's anything that separates or has the potential of separating us from God. Sin usually starts out small. Little tiny things. And before you know it, you're away off. And it has, the, it has that ability to start out small. But it has the ability to grow very quickly. And cling very tightly. And then he goes on to say. Let us, run, uh, let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. And I suppose all in all today. Those are the 12 words that I really want us to remember. He doesn't say let us run the race. That is set before us. I do like that he mentions the race that's set before us. Do you know that God has a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives. Ephesians um, 2.10 tells us that he has good works planned for us to do before the foundation of the world. So God has a race for you. God has a race for me. But dumped in the middle of these 12 words, he throws the word endurance. And endurance is really the continued effort to do or achieve something in spite of the present difficulties, past failures, or real opposition. And I'm glad in a way, somewhere in this morning, fear has been mentioned. Because some some places, some people ignore fear as something we should sweep under the carpet. We shouldn't acknowledge. Fear is a real emotion to a lot of people. And uh, and it can affect. And And it's not something you suppress. It's something that we all have to work through at times in our lives. But this word endurance comes from, I thought I'd do a word search and then I'd sound as clever as Neil. Um, but this word, co- that's funny by the way, no? Okay, Um this word comes from the word hypomeno and the new testament writers use this word um, quite frequently and it can be translated as be as um, perseverance as uh, steadfastness as patiently waiting especially in times of difficulty ever anybody ever felt pressure on And as if you're going nowhere fast and things just don't seem to be working out the way you thought they were it's the ability to abide be present or bear up when most of us would want to find a way out or seek a shortcut i like this definition it's the strength that's achieved As you journey through these difficult times. Endurance, perseverance, steadfastness. They're not really words that are talked a lot about today. And they're they're muscles that we all have. But guess what? They're not muscles that we flex very often. You know you can train yourself to wiggle your ear. You can train yourself to wiggle your ear. But, but you need to learn to flex the muscle. Some people have learned it, and some haven't yet. He goes on to say that in those times of necessary change, there's a strength that we need. There's a place where we need to draw our strength from. And I I love a lot of the modern teaching today. I do. I really do. But I do not like it when it talks about you drawing the strength from your inner self. We are people of faith. And our strength comes from Jesus. Not something that's deep down inside. Unless that is Jesus that's deep down inside our strength comes from him a runner that i loved reading his book was eric Little, lidl little not not Lidle, little yeah little and i think around this time i was reading that book it was given to me by a good friend and uh, he had a famous quote he was famous for running the 400 meters and people would ask him how do you do it so well how do you run that 400 meters so well and in one interview he replied this the success, the secret of my success over the four over the 400 meters is this oh Jim you'll like this because he was known as the flying Scotsman he was the secret of my success is this I run the first 200, as fast as I can. Then the second 200, with God's help, I run faster. And I, I just think there's something in that as, 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 um, as maybe God is leading some of us into a new season and we think we've done well. And what if the second half of, of what God has for our lives, he actually wants us, to run faster with his strength. Going back to that place, going back to the scriptures, this writer says we're to look to Jesus, the the, the author, the founder, the perfecter of our faith. As a boy, I have a farming analogy. As a boy, as a boy, I fed sheep, not because I was called Patrick, but I fed sheep. And, uh, and we have a lovely valley down at the, the, from the back of the farm. And I would go down that field with whatever needed to go. And coming back up, the, you would look just to the top of the hills on the left-hand side. I think I've shared it with you before. And it's like where the sky and the top of a green field meet together. And it's just that place. It's just that place. And for some reason, I knew this Sam. Psalm 121 and it's always stuck with me and probably I wish I would remember it more in the times of difficulty but it goes like this I look to the hills from where does my help come my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth he will not let your foot be moved he who keeps you will not slumber Strength doesn't come from better behaviours. And strength doesn't come from better thinking. But as people of faith, our strength comes from Jesus. And that Jesus, Hebrews 4:15 uh, tells us, he understands all our weaknesses. He understands all of our struggles. And yet he did not give up why did he not give up well the verses go on to say that for the joy set before him he endured the cross despised the shame and is now seated at the right hand of God and I don't know whether you've ever thought about this but I was trying to explain it to Amelia this morning Jesus now sits at the right hand of the father and he intercedes for you and me And he looks down and he says, he looks down and he looks across just like we looked at Amelia that day and is just looking with such intent. Come on, you can do it. Come on, the second half will be better than the first half. And he sits there and he says, that's my girl. And he's, he's, I don't want to sound irreverent, but he's probably nudging God and saying, that's my girl, that's my boy, come on, let's watch them run this race. The 23 mile mark, um, I did run again, I started to run again, I had to make the necessary changes um, to, to, to complete the race, I had to, to, to um, act in a different way and i had to draw strength from somewhere and so um i i i went past all the the nice stations that there are there there was no chocolate bars nigel but there was like lots of energy drinks and uh, and fruit and whatever and and i allowed my body the time over two miles to just gain strength again and um and i got to the place where i thought I can do this. I can go again. Starting running again, I was warned whatever you do, do not stop dead, as in stop walking. But starting running again was hugely painful. And the pain is so real, I still don't think I'll ever run a marathon again. And uh, as I ran those last couple of miles, I came alongside a young fella and we, we, we just encouraged each other to keep going, to keep thinking of the end goal, to keep thinking of crossing that line. And, uh, and I can't help but hear the words um, that Andrew actually shared with us uh, a couple of weeks ago from Second Timothy and it's where Paul is writing to this young man and sharing his experience of running the race, of, of spending your life for Jesus and for, for all the purposes. And he says this to young Timothy, I have run the race. I have fought the fight. And henceforth there is laid up for me Uh, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not alone to me, but to others who have done the same. And I I just sense the Spirit of God saying, you know what? It's worth it to go again. It's worth it to keep going. There is a price. And uh, so, I probably just want to end with um, with this thought, which I think a couple of months ago I disagreed with, but I think I agree with it now. One day there will be a history book written about us all, about our lives and what we have done, and what has been done of great value, and what has been done of no value at all. What we have carried. And what we were never meant to carry. There will be chapters within that book. Um, of, of real struggle. Of how we endured. How we were steadfast in those times. How patience was required as we abided uh, under pressure. Eric Little said there's no enjoyment in any game or race that is easily one. It is that which you have strained every muscle and sinew to achieve victory that provides great joy. And so this book is, is written it, with many themes, runs through it in the book of Hebrews. It says, keep one of the themes is keep persevering, keep trusting, keep believing, keep enduring. Keep loving and keep praising. And we've sang about and talked about all those things. And so I would just sense as I finish, God saying, keep running. Keep throwing off. Keep on course. Keep focused. Keep persevering. Keep remembering that in the midst of all this, Jesus is our great prize and he's coming back Paul sang about that in his song. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Let me pray. Father, thank you for today. And thank you, Lord, that that, um, you're with us in every season of our lives. Thank you that no emotion, no struggle, no trial, and no difficulty is hidden from your eyes. And even, Lord, thank you that none of those things separate us from you. And, and Lord, just even as we have, we're bowed here before you, and some of us have just made that determination, we are going to go on. We are going to lay aside. We are... Going to, to to give it one more shot with your strength. Lord, I pray that there would just be a witness of the Spirit. A witness of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have you any announcements you've them done? Enjoy your Sunday. The rest of your Sunday. Thank you.